Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Multifamily Live. Super excited. I have the pleasure of introducing to you the amazing Brandon Turner of Bigger Pockets. Um, he has been actively involved in real estate since he was 21 and totally and fully in love with the entire business. He also owns Open Door Capital LLC, an investment company that focuses on raising money from limited partners to buy large mobile home parks. Please check him out there. He also wrote the book on rental property investing and co-wrote the book on managing rental properties. They're pretty awesome. So check them out at biggerpockets.com slash rental book. Oh, and also the book on real on investing in real estate with no and low money down. Again, bigger pockets. So he achieved financial independence at the age of 27, and he currently resides in Maui with his wife, Heather, and his daughter, Rosie, and son, Wilder. He continues to write, invest, and surf, and host the top-rated Bigger Pockets podcast. So amazing. Thank you so much for joining us, Brandon. Welcome to Multifamily Live. I'm Kimi Yarusi. And I'm Jason Yarusi. Our mission is to help you unlock your full potential as a multifamily real estate investor. So you can do more deals, bigger deals, with less stress, keep more profit, and free up your time. Multifamily doesn't have to be a mystery. It's time to go live. Why did you get into real estate? Mm. Uh, I got into real estate for a couple of reasons. One, it's always going to go to law school. Actually, I... I had got a history degree in college, which you can't really do anything with except for teach history, be a librarian or go to law school. And so like, I, I was like, all right, well, I'll go to law school. And so I started on that path. I started applying to all these schools and I, I was raised, you know, with the same mentality most of us are, go to school, you know, get a college degree, go get a career and retire when you're 75 and almost dead. And then I I started reading John Grisham books. You know, John Grisham wrote like The Firm and The Rainmaker and all these lawyer That's books. Right. And they're, they're great. Uh, and usually they end up with some, like John Grisham has a very like strong hatred towards lawyers because he was one. And he talks a lot about it, just how miserable their lives are and how they're working 80 hours a week. And they got this long commute and they never see their family and they all have drinking problems. And they usually get killed by the mob at some point in their career. And I remember reading this, like the firm. And I was like, this just doesn't sound like a life that I want to lead at all. This sounds absolutely horrible. And uh, so I started thinking like, what do I do with my life now. Cause like, this is the path I'm on is towards law school. And that sounds like a mystery. And I know it's a fiction book, but like the reality set in that this was the next 50 years of my life was drudgery and something I wasn't excited about. And so I, uh, at the same time I bought a house, um, just, I was like 21 years old. I bought a house cause it was cheaper than renting and they were giving mortgages to anyone with a pulse back then. So I buy this house, I rent out the bedrooms and I'm living for free. And I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. And then I sell the house after like nine months of owning it. And I made like $25,000. And I was like, that's more money than I'd probably make as a lawyer my first year. And why am I going to law school? So I canceled all my plans right then. And I said, I'm going to become a real estate investor because that sounds like a much better life. <laughs> I love the story. And I love how you kind of fell into it. Most people make the decision, I want to get into investing because dot, 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 big Y, build all the you know analysis paralysis, but you kind of fell into it. And thank goodness yeah. that you did. I mean, for all my listeners, can you all imagine if uh, Brandon Turner was a lawyer, an attorney? <laughs> what a horrible, that would have been a horrible <laughs> life for me. I, uh, oh, 
I'm, I'm glad I did not go that. In fact, every lawyer I talk to now, I tell that story to, or I say I was going to be a lawyer. They're like, oh, you made a good choice. Like I've, I've never had one lawyer be like, oh, you should reconsider that. It's really great being a lawyer. You're like, no, no, no. I'm glad I, I'm, I'm glad you jumped into real estate. So let's talk a little bit about bigger pockets. So you jump into real estate and I'm yeah. sure there was a little bit of journey there, but how did you come up with bigger pockets? Cause you and I both know, and so does the rest of the real estate universe, that bigger pockets is the go-to place. I grew up on bigger pockets. As soon as I decided to become a real estate investor, the first thing out of a person's mouth was you should go check out bigger pockets. And this is back in 2013. Mm, now yeah. we are 2021. Oh my goodness. It is the yes. place to go. So give me some of like the genesis of, of bigger pockets. Sure. Yeah. So bigger pockets was originally started. It was started by a guy named Josh Dorkin actually in his basement, just as a, Hey, I need help with my rental properties. So I'll create a little website that people can offer advice back and forth. Uh, so it started just him alone in his basement trying to figure this thing out. And then I came a couple of years later, I was searching actually the internet around that same time. I decided I was going to be a real estate investor screw law school. I told my parents I was going to go into real estate and they said, you're crazy. What are you going to do if your tenants don't pay rent? You're going to lose everything. You can't afford to make the mortgage payments on your rentals. And I said, they're right. So I went to Google or Dogpile or whatever the Google or whatever the search engine was at the time. And I typed in what to do when tenants don't pay rent. And I found this little dinky little site called Bigger Pockets that was a little forum of people asking questions and answering them. And I remember reading like this, this, comment from somebody about here's all the things you do if the tenant doesn't pay rent. And it was like, whoa, there are answers to this. Like all these objections people have of here's why you shouldn't get in real estate. I realized there was answers to all of it. And so I, I joined BP as just a free member. A lot of people don't know that, but I was just a normal free member in the beginning. I was networking and talking with people and asking questions. But you can go back and look at my old, my old questions. They're there. Like, how do I buy this duplex? Stuff like that. And, uh, that led me to become friends with Josh Dorkin, the founder of you know Bigger Pockets. We became Facebook friends, actually. I started volunteer writing for the site just as a, like a writer. And this is all back in like 2011, I think, roughly. And, uh, and then at some point, Josh was like, hey, I'm looking for help editing blog posts. Do you want to get paid for this? And I was like, all right. So <laughs> I started just kind of like on you know editing blog posts for him. And that led into one thing into another. And eventually we're like, hey, we should start a podcast together. And that became the Bigger Pockets podcast, which I think was probably the largest catalyst of the growth that we've seen over the past decade was the podcast. And that is amazing. It just goes to show that you don't know where your next, I guess, uh, come up is going to be the yeah. next person that's going to reach out to you. I mean, you went to this ringy dinky little website called Bigger Pockets, decided to ask a question, started talking to people, get to know its creator, Josh Dorkin. And all of a sudden now you are Brandon Turner of Bigger Pockets. So well, for anyone that's listening and go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, the funny thing is, and the thing I, I like to point out here is the reason I was able to take that opportunity to go work for Bigger Pockets and to go start write, writing blog posts and then start the podcast and write all the books that I've done and all this, it's all because I had uh, rental properties. I had financial freedom. So when I was 20, 26, 27, well, I was 24 when I bought it. I bought an apartment complex when I was 24. And that gave me enough income so that when I was 27, like, I could kind of like take a risk and like go jump into this tiny site, making pretty much no money working for, you know, 
pennies to write blog posts and edit blog posts. And so like the, the point I make there is like, it's like the game cash flow, the Kiyosaki game cash flow. Once you get outside the rat race, that's when you can take those opportunities and those chances and those risks to do some pretty amazing things. Now, if that's with real estate, great. If it's with something else, great. If you want to volunteer your time, great. But you got to get that level one financial freedom. And I was able to do this because I worked for several years before that, building up that level one financial freedom, like pay my bills, don't have to have a job anymore. So that's the encouragement I have is just get to level one, everyone. Get to level one and your entire world opens up. And you can find level one. And I I am not a part of Bigger Pockets. Yeah, I'm a pro member. I don't get yeah, paid nice. to say this. If anyone that's listening to this isn't on Bigger Pockets yet, get on bigger pockets. Well, thank you. Remember, get on there. And I'm not even trying to, I'm not even trying to uplift you, Brandon. That's, <laughs> that was everything for myself and my husband. So I actually have, because I told you this before, I was like, what can I ask Brandon that I can't ask everyone else on bigger pockets? So I went to Facebook and I asked people, what would you ask? Because not uh, everybody has a podcast like us. So um talking about the level up and starting at, you know, at least level one, Gabe De Silva, who's also been on your show, asked uh, to ask you about milestones along your journey. If you can think back through and highlight two or three things that happened that set new high watermarks for you. Mm, that's a great question. Uh, a couple of points stand out to me. Uh, the first one is very early on. I bought after that very first house I bought where I was living for free, renting out the bedrooms to some buddies. Um, we sold it, made that money. And then I bought a duplex and I didn't really, I still didn't know much about real estate at the time. Uh, house hacking wasn't a term people used at the time. I just bought a duplex because I was like, well, I can live in one of the units and the other one will, you know, will offset the mortgage. And I remember standing in this, this driveway between the two houses. It was two houses on one lot. So I was standing in this little dirt driveway between the two in this kind of shady neighborhood. And I left my house, which was, you know, on one side of the driveway. And I walked down and I met my tenant on the other end and he handed me $650 in cash. And I remember thinking like, my mortgage is only 620. I'm living for free. This is awesome. Like that was such a, like a huge turning point in my life where I realized like this could change my life forever. Like this is like amazing stuff. So uh, I actually at that point started flipping houses because I was living for free. So milestone number one was that very first duplex. Uh, milestone number two was that I'll say it's that first house flip I tried to do because we bought the house, fixed it up. The real estate market crashed. And this is 2000 and, uh, at the time, 2007, 2008. So it was 2008 when the, when I finished the project, could not sell the property, uh, ended up refinancing it and kept it as a rental. And which is really how I discovered the whole Burr strategy. We talk about a lot of bigger pockets, buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. It's like you flip a house, but keep it. So I discovered that and I realized, wow, I just, I have no money in this deal. Like it's a basically a no money down real estate deal in a terrible market. This could be a strategy I could use over and over. So I've actually been doing that ever since is that. So that was another milestone. And then I'll add the, 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 another one was I asked a couple of friends to invest in a deal with me. I wanted to buy a mobile home park. I thought I'd get into them. I asked them to invest with me and they said they, they wouldn't, they couldn't do it. And I felt so rejected and like, oh, like I'm not good at raising money. It took everything I had just to even ask them to put money into my deal. And they didn't want to because they think I'm stupid and I must be ugly and fat and you know, all that, all the self-limiting talk, right? Goes in there. I'm like, I'm a terrible person. I should just never do this. And, and yeah, like, that's what we go through. Like when you get rejected and like, especially if you're a high eye, like I am, like, I like people liking me on the disc profile, high eye. So 
there was that. And I almost, and I remember saying at the time, I'm, I'm never going to raise money. I don't want to raise money for deals ever. And, and I started working with a performance coach and uh, really dug into that belief, that limiting belief of that. I'm not good at raising money. I don't like raising money and really changed that. Uh, now, fast forward two years, three years, and I've now raised like $20 million in the past 12 months uh, from investors for my mobile home park. We bought like $50 million of real estate. And I'm like, I'm really good at raising money right now. And so I, I, I bring up both those points because there was like the, the milestone of I can't do this and I'm bad at this. And then realizing that was just a limiting belief I imposed on myself. And then the new milestone of now saying, look, I set a goal to buy $50 million of real estate uh, in my company. And my, it was a three-year goal and I did it in a year and a half. And so we just crossed the $50 million mark and now we're on to more. So yeah. Uh, there's so much I want to unpack there. The first yeah, being the, the mindset piece, because I raised my hand because I have the same problem. I don't yep. think I can do it. I don't. Yep. So I want to know off offline, or we can add in the show notes who your performance coach was, because I need that person right now. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, I, I even say him. His name's Jason Dorees. He's he's Perfect. remarkable. Yeah, Jason Dorees Coaching. I think is the name of his company. But uh, yeah, Jason has been. There's been numerous times where I've been like on the verge of like, I can't do this. I'm quitting everything. This sucks. And like, it's. It's funny because he's not, he doesn't even talk that much. Like I just, I mean, you, you know me, I can talk. And so like we get on a call like twice a month and I'll talk for like most of it, but he'll just ask the right questions at the right time. And like, are you really sure that's what it is? And then he does, these like kind of like mindset shifting. Like what's the old belief? Let's uninstall that. Let's install a new belief. Now let's make sure you believe that new belief. And like that mindset thing is so instrumental in the past few years of my, of my life and of my success. Uh, it's because I'm continually working on my mindset. I, I like to joke that it's just like therapy. It's like therapy for real estate investors is performance coaching. It's been huge. That's exactly what it is. Because yeah. I've had performance coaches in the past. And for some reason, they can't break that uh, limiting belief that I have, that I can't do it. So I love the fact that you broke that limiting belief because you've had so much success in the realm of mobile home parks and like getting into like a large multifamily and the, I actually want to dig into your goals because you said a little bit about this in the conference that we both spoke at. And you talked about how you had sort of this aha moment going to, I believe it was one of Joe Fairless's conference. Yep. And you're like, well, kind of, if they can do it, why not me? Can you tell a little bit about how that goal came to be? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it the, I reached a point in my investing. This is probably around the time, maybe even it was a little bit after that time where I asked my friends to invest with me and they said no, uh, which by the way, later on, I found out they just didn't have any money. Like they just <laughs> literally didn't have any money and they both wished they could have invested with me. But at the time I just, I assumed it was me. Right. Um, but anyway, so I bought, you know, a number of rentals. I had a few properties. Uh, I think I was up to like 45 units somewhere in there, 40, 45 units, self-managed all of them. It was enough to pay my bills. I'm making money from bigger pockets, book sales and whatever else. And, you know, they pay me something to be on the podcast. So like, I'm, I can, I can survive just fine. I, I had that like level one financial freedom that I like to say level one is like, you can like, you know, pay your bills. Level two is you could buy a jet. Level three, you could buy the jets, like the, the football team. But so I'm like level Level one, I can pay my bills. And I got very, I don't know if complacent is the word, but just very comfortable. Uh, I didn't need to buy more real estate. So I kind of like stopped buying real estate. Yet at the same time, I'm teaching this stuff on bigger pockets and I'm writing about it. And I just was like feeling like I wasn't living up to my potential. 
And I think so much happiness comes from growth and comes from living up to the identity in which you give yourself. And so in my head, my identity was I'm somebody who strives and sets goals and achieves. And here I was not achieving and not striving. Uh, and so I go to this event, the, the best ever conference. It was in Denver, I think two years ago. And I get invited to do the keynote speech because I'm, I'm the guy on the podcast. People know my name. And I realized very quickly that I was the least the, the least qualified person in that room of all speakers and attendees to be on that stage. I did not deserve to be on that stage because these people are unreal what they were doing in this, in this organization, like in that were attending that conference, like they were buying deals. They were challenging themselves. They were going bigger. They were, they were working with each other, networking. And here I am just resting on my laurels. And I remember just leaving that event going, I got to step up my game because that's, that's what I need to feel better about myself. Not that more money is going to make me more happy, but it's achievement and growth and, and potential reaching. That was a big deal. So, uh, I left there and I read a book called vivid vision by Cameron Harold. And it's all about setting a very clear picture of where you want to be in three years in the future. And then on my flight back from Denver, I spent seven hours writing up my vision for the company uh, where I wanted to go. And I said, I want to buy mobile home parks and I want to buy $50 million of them. And I want to have a team of five or six employees that are going to work with me. And we're all going to like do life together and travel together and have an amazing time. And I wrote it into a newspaper article. It's on my wall right there. And my three-year goal, we accomplished pretty much everything on it in about 18 months. So it's, uh, it's been a journey. See, and everyone, if you guys know Brandon, I think you'll, you'd be the first person to say that you haven't done anything that anyone else couldn't do, right? Yeah. Anything that you've done, somebody else can do, I'm, right? Yeah, anybody else so, could have done this, yeah. It's proven that you, you've you surrounded yourself by the best people, by being in bigger pockets, by going to Joe Fairless's concert. Con, con, concert. He's going he's gonna to laugh when he listens to this. <laughs> uh, disclaimer, Joe Fairless was actually mine and Jason's, my husband's uh, mentor. And oh, we nice. actually yeah. spoken at the conference previous to the one that you did. Um, I believe I might have been pregnant with our third child. That's oh, nice. Anywho. Yeah, Joe's legit. Really I love that guy. Joe is amazing. And I love the fact that you jumped in and you realized that you weren't the smartest person in the room and that caused you to level up. So for anybody that's listening, what do you need to do right now? What is the action step that you need to do? Who are the people that you need to get in touch with to level yourself up? So I'm going to ask you one more question. I think I have time for one more question. Sure. Actually, I have two because Eric Cabral has a really- I got, all, I got all day. I got all day here. Perfect. Then we're going to talk about Hawaii after this. Perfect. So Sanja uh, Sisadri asks, single family versus multifamily. To a newbie, would you recommend going straight to multifamily or in, in your case, mobile home parks if they can skip single family altogether? Yeah. Uh, I would generally speaking, not recommend a new investor jump into a large expensive deal, like where there's like syndications and attorneys and all that, unless, unless they have a like close mentor, friend, partner, something that's walking it with them. And here's why I think that, uh, and this is something I, I learned heavily from my coach, uh, Jason, where he'll, he'll talk a lot about like, we have these le like mindset levels, like they're arbitrary numbers, but let's say level one mindset can accomplish a level one task. A level five mindset can accomplish a level five task and so on. The, there is a different mindset needed to be able to buy a 
$5 million apartment complex or mobile home park, there's a very different mindset needed to do that than there is to buy a duplex. I believe most like duplex is like a level two. Like if you're level one, you can stretch to a two, you're fine there. But to jump from a one or two and then try to buy that $5 million thing, the mindset is not there. You haven't earned the right. I love that phrase. You haven't earned the right to buy that $5 million property or $10 million property yet unless you can borrow the mindset of somebody else and bring them in. And so even, even my, my own life, like I didn't just go out and buy $50 million of real estate. That would have been a bigger jump than I should have done. I was maybe a level 15 and I jumped to a level 50. How'd I do that? Because my partner, my asset manager, the guy that I work in my open door capital with every single day, his name's Brian Murray, already owned 2000 rental units of his own at his own big property management company. And so when we brought him in, I, immediately was able to adopt his mind, not like overnight, got his mindset, but he keeps me from being stupid. So <laughs> that I like smaller deals. Now, I don't care if it's a duplex, triplex, fourplex, or single family. In my mind, those are all equally difficult or easy, however you want to look at that. So whatever you can find, single family, duplex, triplex, fourplex, that's one grouping. Residential, I think is a good place to start if you have a level like one, two, five mindset. Um, and if you can find somebody to jump it up, all the better. No, that's a great, great answer. Um, it's just, I kind of have the same belief, like because we all cut our teeth on the single family realm, yep. on the on the small multis, and then we did the level up. But just like you, we found Joe Fairless, and all of a sudden yep. we went from that five, like the ten, and all of a sudden we're just like, wait a minute, we can do. 30 units, 100 units, and all of a sudden your mindset goes there. And uh -huh. we were able to bring in the power of coaching, just like you said. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, one more is Kat Swab asks, how has the worst thing that happened to you been the best thing? Oh, mindset question. Huh. That is good. Uh, I would say I'm going to speak from a real estate standpoint. Uh, I can speak from a personal standpoint too, but um, business-wise, when we first started Open Door Capital, I would say the worst thing that happened is we brought the wrong partners in, meaning I didn't have Brian, uh, brought in another partner first. And it, the other partner, he's, he's a great person. I love him. It was the wrong partnership. It just didn't work. We didn't, it wasn't, the, the pieces didn't fit right. And it, it caused a lot of drama uh, in terms of uh, like unmanaged expectations or un, un, unmet expectations where I thought he was supposed to do something and he thought I was supposed to do something and it wasn't written clearly. It created a lot of mess and drama in the beginning of Open Door Capital. It, like this is right after coming back from the Joe Fairless event and I, got, I went, jumped into it and I gave all this equity to people and it just ended up being a mess. That was probably the worst thing, at least in terms of my real estate that I've had to deal with. Mm -hmm. uh, but why did it become the best thing? I mean, the, really, it taught me a couple of really important lessons. Number one, you never know how somebody's going to be until you work with them. Resumes, uh, conversations, like, you know, interviews, all that stuff is worthless for the most part. Like they can give you an idea, but you never really know until you work with someone. So I've learned that now is every single person on my team came in because we worked together in some smaller fashion first and they grew into who they are today. So like my COO, Walker, he runs my entire open door capital, like all the day to day. Like Walker was my intern. He worked for free as an underwriter for the first few months. Uh, and then I brought him in, like we gave him a job as acquisitions and he proved himself there. And so we gave him a job as, you know, a COO. And so I've, that was one of the most life-changing lessons I've ever learned is just to not just start throwing our own equity, not to rely on what people say and think, but find ways to work together on small things 
see how they can be trusted and how you work together and then expand from there. So that lesson I think will benefit me the rest of my entire life. From a personal standpoint, uh, not sleeping the last year has been very tough because I have a newborn. I mean, now, now he's a year and four months old. Uh, that was the hardest. I think that's the hardest thing we've had to do personally is deal with a year of a kid who wakes up 10 times a night, every night. So that put a lot of strain on, on like just life in general and how do you navigate those kind of issues? So uh, that said, I feel like that strengthened my wife and I's marriage uh, in an incredible way because we had to learn to, to rely on each other and help each other out during that difficult uh, time. And now he's sleeping. He sleeps almost all night now. He only wakes up <laughs> twice now. So See, we could, we could go down that path of parenthood and yeah. my, my youngest, almost three. Um, and then we have a four-year-old and a six-year-old. So oh, I yeah, you're, you're in it. You're in it just like me. Yeah. It's we're the best it. thing in the world, but it's the hardest thing in the world. Exactly. And there's so many lessons to be learned from that. So one more question before I let you go. And this is from Eric Cabral. What is the biggest wave you've ever caught and have you ever encountered a shark? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> and for anybody that doesn't know, Brandon is currently living in Hawaii yeah. and, and he is surfing. So Eric Cabral, great question. Yeah. Uh, I love surfing. In fact, uh, today's a really good surf day. I might go out later. I don't do, do enough of it. Do it for uh, me, please. What? I said, do I it for me, please. I will. I'll get, get a selfie the right on there on the, on the, on the, on the wave just to show you. Uh, <laughs> I would say the biggest I've ever ridden probably 10 foot. Not that that was on purpose, but there's a place called Thousand Peaks out here in Maui. And it was a really good day uh, about a year ago. And so I got some really good, like probably eight to 10 foot waves. That, those were pretty epic. Um, I spend usually most of my time on smaller waves because I, I don't live in the greatest surfing area. Like Maui's not known for surfing usually except for North Shore Jaws. Mm -hmm. And uh so, and especially South Maui where I'm at, there's like two beaches, there's the Cove and there's little beach and little beach is the naked beach. So, uh, if I want to go hang out with, you know, the naked surfers, <laughs> which is a, a phenomenal day to go hang out the other day, I'm like surfing at little beach and I'm out there and like the, there's a couple of naked surfers with me, like these old dudes that have been doing it for like 50 years, right? They're just completely buck naked out there in the waves with me. And they're, we're just talking story out there. And there's a guy, I'm, I'm clothed, thank you. But there's a guy on the beach with an electric guitar and an amp, a battery powered amp. And he's just shredding like Van Halen while like naked. He's buck naked as well while we're surfing. And I'm like, this is unreal. Like where, where am I? Like, this is crazy. So that's my best Hawaii story was uh, naked guitar guy while naked weightlifter is right next to him. Naked yoga guy was over there. And then the naked surfers were out in the water with me. So that's a, that's my go-to spot usually. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's the best it. surf in my area, but it's a, it's a weird place to be anyway. I love it. PMI, uh, but I love that. I was going to say just, uh, just full, full disclosure. People usually wear clothes in Hawaii. There are yes. beaches though. Most of the time they do, except for there's that one, there's a couple little spots, but that's one of them. But you have to go where the surf is. So you got to go where the surf feel? is. How do you feel when that 10 foot wave is like right overhead. Okay. I mean, you're, you're, you're a tall man. So it's yeah. right overhead and you're like, you're having the time of your life. Describe that moment. Oh, that's, it's terrifying. And you can't explain this to like a non-surfer, you know, like uh, how like you can feel the, like just the raw, like violent energy in a wave. Like, like there's just, yeah, it's just, it's there and you can feel it. And like, you're just like, if I, fall, this is going to hurt really, really bad. But at the same time, 
what I love about surfing is you're fully present in the moment. Like it is like, they call it like surfer Zen, right? You're there when I'm on a surfboard because your mind is trying to do 50 things at one time. Your subconscious is. So your subconscious is going, okay, don't lean too far to the left, not too far to the right, not forward, not back, stand up, move here, watch out for that thing. Look for turtles and sharks. And because of that, your mind doesn't have time to go, oh, that deal's not working out for me. I'm not trying to buy in real estate or, oh, my wife had that attitude earlier today or I really wish I wouldn't have said that to my daughter. You, you, you don't think of any of that when you're out there on that wave. All you're thinking is like, don't die uh, and don't hit a turtle. Uh, and I've never seen a shark, sadly. Uh, not, not outside of an aquarium, but people see them all the time. I've just never been lucky enough. Thank you so very much for coming on today, Brandon. This was enlightening. This was amazing. And I got to talk a little bit of Hawaii with you. So yeah. Go well, thank you. surfing, um, catch a wave for me. And thank you so very much. If people want to get a hold of you, want to know more about you, um, where can they go? Yeah, I'm like a 13 year old girl. So Instagram and TikTok, <laughs> either one of those. Uh, Beardy Brandon is my uh, handle. Beardy, beard with a Y, Beardy Brandon. And you can, I'm not, I don't dance on TikTok, but I do post a lot of stuff there lately. Fantastic. So everyone check out Beardy Brandon over at TikTok and Instagram. And thank you so very much for joining us. So much aloha. And if you are near an ocean, go catch a wave. Want to learn exactly how we're finding high profit, cash flow ready multifamily properties off market? Want to find out how to run lightning fast syndications to raise all the capital you need for your next multi-million dollar deal? In just a few days, we are breaking down our entire process step by step at a three day event happening June 10th through the 12th called, you guessed it, Multifamily Live. We've done events before, but nothing this massive or this valuable. And for the first time ever, we're going to open the doors and walk you guys through literally every step of what we're doing on our multifamily deals. This is a virtual event, so you don't have to travel or even leave your couch, but spots are limited. Sign up at multifamilyliveevent.com and we'll see you there.